Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love well, so we are talking about Psalm 23 for the next several weeks, in fact. Psalm 23, which is one of these most well-known and beloved passages in the entire Bible. Uh, it is so often read at funerals, read in hospital rooms, read in all kinds of contexts. And even if you don't know Psalm 23, don't worry, you will. Uh, we're going to spend, like I said, five, six weeks reading this psalm, praying it, singing it, uh, living it uh, here at church. But even at home, we're encouraging you to as well with these little Psalm 23 prayer cards that we have here at the church. Uh, as I said, this psalm has shown up in all kinds of places in life and faith and church life, but also even in cultural life. It's shown up in places that you uh, may be surprised, where all of a sudden, Psalm 23, there it is. Uh, I want to share a few examples. I got three of them here. Uh, one is the movie Titanic. Anyone seen this movie, uh, Once Upon a Time? Uh, so in the movie Titanic, the ship is sinking. Spoiler alert. This is a major spoiler. If you don't know, the Titanic sinks. And so as the ship is sinking, Jack and Rose, these two main characters, are running around looking for lifeboats that still have some space. And Jack crawls up uh, the ladder to one of these lifeboats and to see if it has room. And the person in front of him is reciting the 23rd Psalm. It's saying, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And Jack says, Could you hurry it up through that valley there? <laughs> That's Psalm 23. Another one that may be less familiar to some is in 2004, Kanye West came out with the album College Dropout and the song Jesus Walks. And here in the middle of these lyrics, it shows up. Now, I can't play the song because of copyright issues, and I can't rap the song because I'm a white kid from North Dakota. <laughs> but I will read these lyrics and look for Psalm 23 in it. Do you know what the Midwest is, young and restless, where restless might snatch your necklace, and next this might jack your Lexus? See, this, is, this isn't my language, but, you know, it's pretty cool. Somebody tell these who Kanye West is. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death is. Top floor view alone will leave you breathless. Try to catch it. It's kind of hard. Getting choked by detectives yeah, yeah, now check the method. Uh, I'm not a rapper, but Kanye West is, and he's one of, I would say, the greatest lyricists of this generation. And what's amazing is I always thought he said that line, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and it wasn't until I looked at the lyrics that you see it's the valley of the shy of death, as in Chicago. 
He's talking about violence in the streets of Chicago and even police brutality as he talks about getting choked by detectives. This is 20 years ago he was rapping about this. Well, the next one here is, I'm guessing everyone over the age of 30 can tell me exactly where they were on September 11th in 2001 when the terrorist attacks happened in New York City and D.C., and it was one of the most just scary and unsettling days. And at the very end of that day, President George W. Bush finally addressed the nation from the Oval Office and closed his four-and-a-half-minute speech that day with these words. He said, Tonight, I ask for your prayers for all those who grieve, for the children whose worlds have been shattered, for all those whose sense of security and or safety and security has been threatened, and I pray they will be comforted by a power greater than any of us, spoken through the ages in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. On the surface, it seems kind of odd that a Hollywood movie, a rap song, and a political speech would all draw from the same biblical passage. Uh, it is kind of odd until you look at these different contexts and realize what it is that Psalm 23 can speak so powerfully to. You have the story of a boat sinking and killing thousands of people. You have someone uh, in a song talking about the pain of violence in the streets and what it's wreaking on a whole generation of youth. And you have a president comforting a grieving and scared nation. And Psalm 23 is this passage of scripture that just speaks to those kinds of painful, scary, unknown kind of contexts. And so it shows up in these different places. Uh, we're going to look at these first few verses of Psalm 23 here, and so I'm wondering if you could read these with me again as we think about God as our shepherd. So let's read it together, if you would. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. I think one of the big and hard questions about Psalm 23 as we read about God being our shepherd is that if God is our shepherd providing and protecting us, then why do ships sink? Then why do kids in the streets of our American cities face violence? Then why do terrorist attacks happen? This is one of the biggest and hardest faith questions to say if God is supposed to be our shepherd and our protector, why does it sometimes seem like God is not doing a very good job of protecting us? That's a hard question, but it's a fair one that I think if we're all being honest, we've all kind of asked in one way or another, and I wish I had a real easy, quick, succinct answer, but I think Psalm 23 does speak a truth to it, as it says this, essentially, that the message of Psalm 23 is not that bad things will never happen to us, it is that we don't have to face those things alone, for thou art with me. This might uh, now only serve to kind of confuse our ideas of God, but I want to talk about shepherding a little bit. Uh, this is the Lord is my shepherd. You notice the sheep in our uh, images here. And uh, shepherds in the ancient world, 
Uh, we're a little different than shepherds and farming is here today. In the ancient world, shepherds, if you remember the Christmas story, the shepherds are keeping watch over their flocks by night, living in the fields, and that was what they did. The shepherds lived in the fields, and it was their job to protect the sheep. It was their job to protect the sheep, and so they, they did. The expectation was that during the day, if any predators came along, the shepherds would fight them off and protect the sheep. But the nights were a little bit of a different story because nights are dark, nights are scary, and it was harder to see predators. And there was this understanding that even shepherds deserved their, sh their sleep at night. And so sometimes bad things would happen at night and sheep would be lost. Now, uh, a good and faithful shepherd in that time didn't guarantee that no sheep would ever be lost or that bad things would never happen to the flock. A good and faithful shepherd was one who was just always there. Now this has significance because an ancient audience, when they heard Psalm 23 and heard God described as a shepherd, wouldn't have thought that that meant that nothing would ever happen to us the sheep. They wouldn't have heard that as a promise that nothing bad would ever happen. They would have heard it as a promise that the shepherd, God, is always there. Now that's a subtle difference, a little bit of nuance, but it's a really big, important thing because I think so often, especially in our kind of westernized Christianity, we've looked at, you know, if we're good, then God will protect us. And if something bad happens, well, maybe we just haven't been good enough, or maybe this is God's will or something like that, and that makes it really tough to wrestle with a good God and these bad things. There's a story of a pastor named William Sloan Coffin. He was a chaplain at Yale University for a time. And the story goes that his son died when he was 18 years old in a car accident. It was tragic, you know, sudden car accident, and he was gone. And during that time of grieving, there was another kind of well-meaning pastor who one time sled, uh, said to this Sloan Coffin, I'm sorry for your son's loss, but I guess this just must have been God's will. And Coffin just snapped back at him and said, this was not God's will. He said, this was not God's will. God's was the first heart that broke. That is a way of thinking about where God is at in suffering. Likewise, Martin and Katie Luther, Martin Luther, who our church is named after, our Lutheran church, uh, they lost a son as well. And there's a story that Katie asked Martin, Martin, where was God when our son died? And Martin Luther replied and said, the same place he was when his son died, he was there at his side. Our gospel reading talks about Jesus being the good shepherd, being willing to die for us, to stop that bad thing in eternity from happening, that we can always be with the good shepherd, not just in this life, but in eternity. And there's an image of this uh, crucifixion of Jesus, the good shepherd dying, that is uh, really striking, I think. Uh, you may recognize this. This is Pieta. It is from, uh, it's carved by Michelangelo. It's at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. And you look at it, it's Mary holding the body of the crucified Christ. And you look at her face and there's just so much love and sorrow being poured out all at once in this image. It's a parent looking at a child being willing to do anything to take away that pain. It is a powerful, powerful sculpture that for hundreds of years has moved people. There's one problem with this sculpture. 
this never took place. Uh, This scene of Mary holding the body of Jesus, it just didn't happen. If you read the Gospels, Mary is only at the crucifixion in the Gospel of John. And even in the Gospel of John, she's not there when they take the body of Jesus down from the cross. And so what do we do with that? Michelangelo um, would have certainly known that and yet chose to carve this image. So what do we make of that? There's a rabbi who uh, wrote a book on Psalm 23, Rabbi Harold Kushner. I've been loving this book, and it's all on Psalm 23. And in this book, he talks about this sculpture and that reality that this scene doesn't actually show up in the Bible, didn't really happen like this. And so what do we do with it? And here's what he said about it that I think is so striking. He says, let me suggest that the woman in the sculpture, the figure holding the broken body of the crucified Jesus, looking at it so sadly and tenderly, is not Mary, but God. God in his feminine aspect, not the God who created the world and taught us how to live in it, but the God who created life in all of its fragile vulnerability, the way a mother creates life. A God who grieves for his children when they suffer, who suffers with them when they are cruel to one another, when they hurt and kill one another. This is our God, a God who suffers with us, who feels the pain when God's children are at war, are fighting, or are cruel to each other. In the Bible, uh, from the time Adam and Eve leave the Garden of Eden, God doesn't make promises that nothing bad will ever be happen or that life will be perfect. Those aren't the promises that are made throughout Scripture. But the reality is when we hurt, we look for someone to blame. And so often God becomes this great target and uh, direction for our blame. And what I can say is that God is big enough that God can handle being blamed when bad things happen. God can take it. But when we hurt, I wonder if when we hurt, instead of looking for someone to blame, what if we looked for someone to hold on to? Maybe a flesh and blood person in our life, family or friend who can give us comfort. Or maybe it's looking for God, this presence who has promised to be right there with us even in the midst of suffering. That is the promise of this psalm. That Psalm 23, this promise that not that bad things will never happen, but it is the promise that in the face of those bad things, we are not alone for thou art with me. I've talked about it before, but I'll kind of highlight it again is I think one of the most common and profound ways that God shows up in our lives is through the people in our lives, through those flesh and blood people. And so it's a reminder and a calling that when we know someone who is hurting, we can give them a hug, bring them a lasagna, and that is the very presence of God. This is a big calling that we have, and it's the kind of promise of how God shows up in our lives, even when we were hurting. For thousands of years, this psalm, Psalm 23, has brought people comfort in any variety of situations. And it's my hope and prayer that these would be words that ground us and comfort us and give us strength to support one another through whatever it is that we face. Thanks be to God. Amen. 
Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.